looking at verses 9 to 13. I read to you again from the New Living Translation. If you're not there, say, hold on. All right, if you're there, say, let us begin. Not hearing any pages and not hearing anyone saying, hold on, let us begin. Hopefully we arrive to the same conclusion together. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. And as you take your seat, help me announce this subject matter, if you will, follow and be his disciple. I want us to grab here the context of this. We are looking in this Lent season of follow him. And, and following Jesus Christ, we are called to be his disciples, to be his students, to be his pupils. In this text, we find a man named Matthew. The synoptic gospels have him as Levi. But they both define his occupation as a tax collector. Uh, Am everybody with me here? I want us to grab here that just as Matthew, we too need to be willing to leave something behind. In order to be his disciple, what means we move from our point of interest to God's point of interest. From moving from satisfying my life to doing what he calls me to do. Can I highlight here that Jesus called Matthew. Matthew did not ask Jesus to follow him. Can I point out here that Jesus came for sinners? That we weren't looking for him, but he came looking for us. Let us see if we can identify with Matthew in this text. The New Living Translation says that tax collectors and sinners, they summarize them as scum. What it's saying here that tax collectors and sinners were people of immoral and not of good reputation. That they were the kind of sorts that you would not want to be caught with if you wanted to maintain a good reputation. If I go to the schoolroom, you were the ones that will move your table from somewhere else. If someone sat next to you, say, I cannot be associated with them because they're not cool enough. Uh, 
if it was in a social atmosphere, you would be around your boss and those you want to like you, and somebody might say hi, and you would ignore them because you too want to ignore those who are not in the inner circle. Or it may be you're looking to buy a house and you already told your realtor certain areas you don't want to live because you don't want to be associated with these kind of people. I'm talking to somebody here this morning that realizing that I have set a standard for myself that I will not be caught dead with people like that. In this text, we find here that Jesus looked at a man, a text collector, one who was despised, one who had not a good reputation, one whom they looked down upon, and he says, I ask you to follow me. We've talked about before he asked fishermen to follow him. Now we find a tax collector. We see fishermen who left their job, seeming that they were doing a pretty good uh, job at their job. How much more would a tax collector who is dealing with money, hello somebody, that he has a good job, a, a job that has him living comfortably. He is told to follow me and he left the boot. As I look at this text, I have my glasses on, so I am seeing clearly. I, I do not see he grabbed all the money off the table and put it in a safe to come back and get later. No, it says he got up to follow him. Y'all see the same thing that I'm seeing? How many of us, if somebody told you to get up and follow him, that you would leave all your possessions? Everything that you were for right there. How many of us, just like me in my car, you hide stuff? Put it under the seat, put it in the trunk. Don't want to have it in clear view because I don't know about you, but I heard stories from friends I know that had people break their window of their car just to take their wallet because they left it in the front seat. And we too might have heard those stories, so we lock it in the glove compartment. We might put it under the seat of the car, or maybe put our coats over certain stuff. Or when we traveling to long distant areas, you try to cover up with a blanket your luggage <laughs> and your gifts, trying to conceal what's personal to you. But here we find Matthew not trying to cover up anything nor take anything with him, but it says, I just will get up and follow after Jesus. But yet again, we see Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, being associated with the low, the scum, the irreparable. But yet he is called what a friend of sinners in tax collectors. We like singing that song. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Can you see yourself as Matthew, one who was despised, one who was not well looked upon, one who may not have a good reputation, but yet Jesus still called you? Am I talking to somebody here this morning? And so here comes the challenge to the call of Matthew. Matthew accepts the call, and now those who see the call on him challenge Jesus. Can you, can you grab what's happening here? That people see a change happening in your life, they don't believe it. So they want to go ask other people. They didn't go ask Jesus. You see that there? They weren't bold enough to go to Jesus. They said they went to his disciples. Let me point something out that when you make a change in your life, many people won't come to you, but they'll talk about you. 
And when they're talking about you, it means they're thinking about you. And, and what, I want to help somebody out here, that when you make a change in your life and it's noticeable, people ought to start saying something. Saying, this is the one that used to hang out. This is the one that does this. How dare they be going into church? <laughs> How dare they try to dress up and be clean when they walk into the place of worship? But yet, they're just looking on the outside. You can let them know that you don't know everything about me. But Jesus is working on the inside. Hello, somebody. To change who I am on the outside. But I'm so glad that Jesus does not operate from our eyes. Hello, somebody. Because when we give the eye test, we look at somebody, we see their downfalls, we see their history, we look at everything that's past. But I'm so glad that Jesus sees the beginning and the end. Jeremiah said it this way, that God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans of hope or prosperity, not of peril. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that my God knows what's good for us. Can I help somebody out a little bit closer here looking at Matthew? Matthew was known as a tax collector, but now we know him as a gospel writer. <laughs> he could have gone down in history of just a man collecting money, but now he's gone down in history, giving us the history, hello somebody, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can that be your testimony? You could have gone down as the greatest worker at Caterpillar or Silco in the school district, but now you go down as a saint. Who gave your life over to the Lord that no longer is living for this world, but living for an eternal kingdom that has no end. But yet people will still challenge you. Look what they say. Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? Y'all see that there? New Living Translation says it this way. But when the first saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? They are challenging the teacher and they're challenging the students about what the master is doing. But look how the master can defend us. Tell you, your master can defend you. Tell you, tell you, tell them again, you don't have to say a word. <laughs> Isn't that good news? That when people will persecute you, talk about you behind your back, you don't have to say a word. I just put it down like this. Can I drive it home real quick? My name is Samuel Thomas Dern. You can call me outside of my name. I don't have to answer. I don't have to say a word because I know who I am. And so when I know who I am, I know how to answer. Let me help you out. I, I get phone calls from the people that want you to give them money. But they don't know who you are. They're going to pick up the phone and say, is, uh, is there a Samuel Durham there? Nope. Click. Because that's not who I am. If you knew who I, who I am, then you would not say my name wrong. At one time when I filed for a credit card, they didn't properly put down the D. They put down the B. So I know when they call for a Samuel Burren, I'd be like, click wrong number. You see what I'm getting out here? That when you know who you are, when people don't know you, they'll call you outside of your name. They'll try to degrade you. They'll try to put you in a box. But yet Jesus says, if any man be in him, he is a new creation. Do you understand how Jesus says you must be born again because flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit 
gives birth to spirit. And so we see here that we're being transformed and the master speaks on their behalf. So Jesus hears that. You see that? (laughs) Tell your neighbor, nothing gets past my Savior. So when he heard this, he lets them know the healthy do not need the doctor. It's the sick. They didn't catch on to that. Well, you calling me teacher. Well, let me give you some homework. Y'all see what he did, right? He gave us some homework. He says, go study. Go learn this. You, you so smart and know everything. Well, go study what it means. And he referenced this Hosea, the sixth chapter, sixth verse. Go find out what this means. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Mm. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The King James Version helps out a little bit more. The interpretation saying, call sinners into repentance. So the teacher points out to them that the reason why I called Matthew and I welcome those whom you call scum, the sinners and the tax collectors, that they understand that they are in need of repentance. I've lost somebody. In the Gospel of John, you can look that they came to John, tax collectors, came to John asking what must they do. He says that you'll be just in guarding your taxes. They're like, we want to be saved. We want to be right. So John gave them good wisdom that you be just. It's pointing out here that John was baptizing in the repentance of sins and getting preparing them. Now Jesus comes, who John was preparing the way. Now they're ready to be changed and be obedient to Christ. Let me help somebody out that when Jesus has come, he's letting us know that I've called you to no longer live the way you've been living. Many of us who look back to our B.C. dates so realize that our, our after Christ, knowing the Lord, being born again, should look different than our B.C. days. If before Christ you were living one way, then after Christ, you should be, after coming to know Christ, you should be living a different way. If before Christ, nobody wanted to be around you because of your tongue, that should no longer be the situation. If before Christ you were known to be doing things at night you don't want to be doing, it's no longer so people be able to say that same thing of you. Now, some of you are looking at me saying, well, pastor, you know, God knows that I'm weak. Yes, he knows that you're weak, but that's why he's giving you the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you not know the same power that rose Christ up from the grave is also in you? We look in Ephesians this way, it says, now... The one who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask or think or even imagine according to the power that's within us. What I'm trying to point out here that he is giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to have a transformation in our lives to leave that old stuff behind and follow after him. And following after him, we talk about that we should pick up his characteristics. Y'all remember that? That if we follow after Christ, we speak as he speaks, we talk as he talks, we walk as he walks. Just, just think about how we have followed so much other things in our lives. We follow fashion. We've gone from wearing bell bottoms to wearing skinny jeans. We've gone from, from having everybody having a blowout to having a fade or even a mohawk. 
Remember back in the day when a mohawk, only Mr. T had one? Now you look on TV, almost everybody got a mohawk. It's amazing how trends come. Back in the day, it wasn't cool to wear glasses. Remember, Urkel wore glasses. Now we see everybody wearing Urkel glasses. And there's no lenses in them. Hello, somebody. It's amazing. You see stars and movie people on TV wearing frames with no lenses in them. Because that's cool. Back in the day, that was a nerdist thing to do. Remember back in the day, a nerd would have one lens with no lens in the other one? That wasn't cool. But now that's cool all of a sudden. It's amazing how we follow trends because we want to be acceptable. Hello, somebody. Can I drive this home? How we need to follow our Lord and Savior because we want to live a life that's acceptable unto Him. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be what? Hello, somebody. And so if I want to be acceptable to him, how dare I do stuff in the world to be acceptable to things that will change the next day? And one day it's in fashion to wear pink. The next day, brown's the new color. It's amazing how they just flip-flop on everything, but the Lord never changed. His word will remain while the world will pass away. And so it's better to lean on Jesus Christ. Hello. On Christ the solid rock I stand or other ground is sink and stand. So I'm going to stand on the promise of Jesus. I, I won't get caught up with what Pharisees and other people try to tell me how I ought to live. But I'm going to live how he showed me and called me. To live. Y'all see how the master speaks on our behalf on how we ought to live. Why is that? Because Jesus came for the sinners. In Luke the 15th chapter, you find out I'll leave the 99 righteous. Y'all see that? I'll leave the 99 righteous for how many? One. Mm. Have you been that one? <laughs> Some of y'all can't tell you, but I can tell it myself. I've been that one. And I'm so glad he came after me. Because I was lost. I was living in sin. But the Lord saw me and says, I've come for you. How do I know he came for me? Well, John 3, he says that, for I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I, I did not come to tell all the well you're well, but I came to, to the sick to make them whole. Hallelujah. I was sick with sin. But he came and said, I can fix you up. You see how the righteous want to claim they're righteous by how they can obey laws. Jesus says, that's good you are obeying laws, but I desire something more. Tell you never, he desires something more. What does he desire? He desires that you be compassionate, merciful, more than he desires sacrifices. We see it in, in Samuel the fifteenth chapter. Saul says it to uh, I mean Samuel says it to Saul that he, obedience is better than sacrifice. Looking at the homer he gives him in Hosea 6 to go see what it means. The word of God at that moment in Hosea is letting them know that God desires repentance. Desires repentance. What is repentance? Y'all asked the right question this morning. 
Repentance means to have a change of mind. Repentance is more than just having sorrow, but sorrow that leads to repentance. Repentance is the attitude that not only am I hurtful and upset for the wrong that I've done, but I want to take the wrong that I've done and make it right. I want to do better and do better than I ever had before. I no longer want to revisit the mess, the heartache, the pain I have done, but now I want to walk in obedience of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here he's pointing out to them that you can have a sense of remorse, but yet if it does not lead to repentance, what good is it? Can I drive that home? I've, I've been there doing summer camps with little kids. Little kids get in the fight. You hold both their arms and say, say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They go back fighting again. Because there's no repentance among them. They, they were sorry they got caught. But they knew as soon as I get out your sight, I'm about to do it again. But repentance means, Lord, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that I did it. And I don't want to. Do it again. He desires that from our hearts. That's why he's come to say, look, I see you in a condition that you cannot help yourself. So I've come so that I can help you. Hello. And I want you to be changed. Well, look what they're saying, that even obeying the law is good, but yet I want it in your heart. Tell your neighbor, he wants it in your heart. Because when it's in our heart, it will lead us to be merciful to other sinners. Hello, somebody. The problem many of us, we have as Christians, some of us don't want to tell on ourselves, that's all right. You'll be convicted later on because the Holy Ghost does his job. The problem many of us have that we who have been forgiven for a God that we have been forgiven. Because we don't want to forgive others as if we are better than them. But Christ died for us as he died for them. That's why it's in the Bible that he who is spiritual should what? Restore the weaker. Hello, somebody. That we ought to forgive one another just as God has forgiven us through Christ Jesus. Jesus, look what he says here. He says, what good is it for you to love who loves you? Don't the tax collectors do the same thing? It points to us that Jesus realizes how you view the tax collectors. You don't view them in a high rapport, so why you want to be like them? Oh, watch out. He's pointing out that you, you have given them a bad mark and you labor them lower. Look what also he says about the tax collector. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, we read it in our church covenant that if a brother or a sister sin against you, that you ought to go confront them so that you might gain a brother or a sister. And if you do not gain one, it says treat them like a heathen or a tax collector. I know that's rough, but that's what it says. And so if Jesus says that when they view tax collectors of those who are against them, those who are not with them, those who are just as a heathen do not believe in the same thing, how much more is pointing out to them, that's who I came for because I want you to change. I tell you never, God wants you to change. Some of, us, some of us need to look at ourselves and say, how can I change? Yeah, I thought I'd be quiet. Because I'm going to rewind and I'm going to get back to my seat. We talked about looking in the mirror. 
And it's hard for me to follow him when I first don't know who I am. Because when I see who I am in the reflection of his word, I see how small I am. I see how I do fall short and how much more I need to rest and rely on him. And so in this process, look what Jesus teaches us to be like him. I'm closing my Bible. Let you know I'm going to my seat. (laughs) Jesus says this. I want you to go and learn what this means. I desire to be more compassion than giving sacrifice. Look what Jesus has done. Does he not show mercy? Does he not show compassion? He's walking on his way to the cross, going into Jerusalem, and we see the blind man crying out to him, saying, Son of David, (laughs) have mercy on me. Does not the word of God remind us that he looked upon him with compassion, that he had pity on them? Can I go back to Matthew at the text collector's booth? Jesus sees a man who's been maligned, who's been looked down upon, who has been mistreated, who's not even looked comfortably and respectfully among his own people. But I'm so glad that Jesus saw that because when Jesus saw that, he saw himself. Gospel of John says that he came into the world and the world received him not. He came onto his own people and they rejected him. He looks at a man his own people reject and do not respect. But Jesus says, that's who I came for. <laughs> and since I came for you, don't worry about what they say, but hear my voice. I said, come and follow me. <laughs> Matthew's looking at a situation. <laughs> Some Somebody done called my name. I don't know if this may be true, but with my mind's eye and my mind's imagination, it might have been a long time somebody called him out and said, Matthew, Mark and Luke told him, Levi, but he wrote down when Jesus called me, he said, Matthew, Matthew means gift of God. I'm so glad the gift of God, Jesus Christ, can call out our names. The song says, hush, hush. Somebody's calling my name. I'm so glad, good God from Zion, that Jesus came to call our names. And so I will respond to this call that I'll leave this old world behind. But get up and follow after Jesus. That means I'll forsake living for this world. That means I'll give up living for the city. I'll give up living for the paycheck, living for the weekend. I will hate my mother, my father, my brother, my greasy grandpappy, even myself, because I will love the Lord more than I love myself. I will pick up my cross and carry it every day, denying the flesh. Why is that? Why her Paul? For Christ I live, and for him I die. I found out that it's better by and by. Every day is sweeter than the day before. What day is it? A day with Jesus. And so that's why I will be his disciple. I will pick up his characteristics. I will pick up what he calls me to pick up. And I will follow after him. Why is that? Because he realized I'm sick. 
and he made me whole. I found, he found me because I was lost, and he made me found. He came to me because I was living in darkness, but he brought me into his marvelous light. So I want to encourage you that though others may talk about you and call you outside of your name, all you got to remind yourself that he knows my name. <laughs> he sees every tear that falls. And catch this, catch this. He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm so glad he knows my name. And my name is on his lips because he intercedes on my behalf. So I'm not worried about what you're going to say. Because my God has the final say so. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And that's why I will follow him now and forevermore. So tell your neighbor, I'm going to follow him till the day I die. And catch this, catch this. And then I'll follow him forevermore. Because he is a life. And the resurrection. Though anyone may die him, yet they shall live. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Hallelujah, Almighty God. We thank you, Father. We magnify your holy name, Father. Father, Lord, we desire to follow you in true obedience. That we need to forsake ourselves, O oh God, and concentrate on you. That we want to have your word hidden upon our heart that we might not sin against you.